Happy Friday, everybody. Well, if you're listening to this um, the day that it's out, then it's a Friday for you. If not, then whenever you're listening to it, happy day to you. My name is Fernando, and I'm a professional psychic medium and a spiritual teacher. And welcome to my podcast. This is, I think, the fourth episode in my podcast series. And I wanted this... um, I wanted this episode to be about my experiences dealing with police officers because a lot of times um, people watch TV, they watch different programs and television shows, and Hollywood has a tendency of glamorizing and over-dramatizing some of the uh, psychic detectives out there and their work and, and what it's really like. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, what you watch on TV isn't based in reality or that those things didn't happen that way. Have you ever watched any of these shows like Psychic Detective or um, like uh, Sensing Murder? But um, sometimes television programs tend to over-dramatize things. And I, I wanted to give you my own personal experience with dealing with a missing persons case and what it was like behind the scenes and, you know, dealing with police officers and the family and all of that. Um, so... If you've never heard of me, um, check out my website, www.fernandomarone.com. You can also follow me on Facebook and Instagram as well. I post on there quite a bit. Um, and of course, if you're listening to my podcast, and hopefully you're subscribed to my podcast channel. If not, please subscribe now. That way you can always be made aware of any new content whenever it comes out. So let's get started, right? Let's get into the story time. Um so I got into, well, I, you know, I think I mentioned in my last podcast that I had gotten into, um, you know, my own psychic, uh, psychic business and developing my own psychic, uh, abilities and how that story went. But, um, the psychic, the psychic detective part of it was a little bit more of a journey for me. So even though I had already established my psychic business and I was doing readings for people, I had clients, I had a regular clientele base. I really wanted to get into um, detective work. I wanted to get into psychic detective work. I had seen a few uh, series and I had heard about a few notable um, detectives, psychic detectives out there, some of them being Pam Coronado, Noreen Rainier, etc. And I, I actually had a chance to meet Noreen Rainier, which is one of the most uh, well-known um, from the last 20, 30 years. And she was featured in quite a few programs like Sightings and um, I think there was a, a, a Unsolved Mysteries, if you've ever seen uh, that show as well. Um, but I got a chance to meet her and uh, she was just amazing and I was really inspired by her. So I decided that I wanted to learn how to do this, learn how to use my ability, not only just to read for people and and, and connect them with their loved ones in spirit, but I also wanted to use this ability to help bring, you know, closure to families who have been waiting for closure for many years, people who have been missing, you know, all of that. So I wanted to help people with this in a way that I could get back. It's my way of saying I can use this. I can, I can use this to help people to do something with it. Let me get back. Um, and I became aware of this, uh, psychic detective. Um, her name is Pam Coronado 
And I was really, really, really impressed by the way that she carried herself. I think she was extremely professional. And there's a methodology to how she conducts a psychic uh, sensing session for police officers and for missing persons cases, etc. So I looked her up and found her online and uh, she actually she offered classes on how to do this. And I was just so intrigued by it. And I thought, okay, let me let me give it a shot. Let me see what this is like. And in the classes, I got a chance to talk to her one-on-one, which I was just totally blown away by. Because for me, this is like, you know, some people, they're like, oh my God, Beyonce. Oh my God, I'm so starstruck. It's Beyonce. It's Beyonce or it's Jennifer Lopez or whoever. Um, for me, when I first met Pam, it was, that's how I felt. I felt starstruck because I had seen her on so many different series and shows and she was the real deal. And to be able to talk one-on-one with her and communicate and get that, that guidance from her directly was just so amazing to me. And I was so humbled by the experience. And I remember that first time that we uh, were on a conference call because in the classes that I took with Pam, uh, we had these conference calls once a week where we would be given assignments and then once a week we would get together on a conference call and she would help us with the assignments and what we were each able to to come up with and uh, I remember the first time she called me by name and she talked to me and I I was just like oh my god I'm talking to Pam Coronado and I uh, remember telling my partner like babe babe like I got a chance to talk to Pam like she knows me she knows who I am uh, now I, Pam's actually one of my really good friends. Um, I really, really do appreciate and love her so very much. And I am so humbled and I'm so grateful that she's out there doing the work that she does. Um, but back then it was just, she was just a star to me. Right. So I took the class and I spent an entire year, uh, in that class. I took that class every single month, every single week I had an assignment or sometimes more than one assignment. And I would follow through with the assignments and then I'd meet with her once a week in the conference call and we'd go over everything. So I spent a good year with her, um, training and understanding and honing, fine tuning my psychic ability when it came to dealing with police officers, to dealing with cases, to dealing with missing persons, um, cases, etc. And I learned a lot. I have to tell you that I thought I knew a lot about psychic sensing before, but after taking that class, I mean, I was just blown away. And a lot of what I've learned, I actually put into the class that I created for people. So if you guys are interested in learning how to develop your own psychic abilities and understanding, um, having a good solid foundation to work off of, to start off of, just so you can take your ability seriously into the next level, take my free class. It's on YouTube and you can get there from my website um, and go also go to my YouTube channel and uh, it's right there. There's a whole two and a half hour course there and it's like, you know, 20 or 30 something um, lessons and you take each lesson consecutively. So it was, it's an amazing class and I would highly suggest you guys look into that. But for me, you know, learning all of these things that I, I didn't get to, a chance to learn um traditionally, um, it was, it was just very eye-opening for me and I learned a lot from Pam and I'm still to this day, very grateful to her and, and what she does and also her continuing to do that kind of work. And I think this is where we get into my story because after I began, you know, after I, I took her course and I was with her, you know, just kind of in, you know, training and 
fine tuning my ability because I was I was dedicated. I was devoted. I was like, I'm gonna pour you know pour my my energy and my my development into this, and I'm really gonna give it everything I got. And um, and then I began be- began to take on missing persons cases and different you know cases where um, families were reaching out to me, um, law enforcement officials were reaching out to me to help them, and I have to tell you it is just one of the most nerve wracking and stressful and ang- anxious anxiety filled experiences you can probably have when doing this kind of work. Um, And I think it started with this one family in Mexico where they were wanting to find their, their, their relative. It was a, it was a, a, um, it was a brother, I think the brother of the person I talked to and they wanted to find him. And so I did a session for them and, and granted my, my sessions, I have different types of sessions. Um, I have a psychic life analysis session, which is where I'm tuning into your life and figuring out what I see, what's coming up for you, giving you, you know, whatever I'm getting for that. And then there's a spirit communication session where you communicate with a particular person in spirit and you try to bring through messages for their family members here. Now, you would think the easiest way to connect, to, to get information or to start to tune into a, a, a case is to talk to the spirit, right? Not necessarily. Pam taught us that, and through her own experience, she taught us that spirits don't always tell us the truth, meaning that spirits, even though they are in spirit form, not all spirits are on the same higher vibration. Some spirits kind of stay on a lower vibration based off of their passing and their choices after death. And they can give you information that could be misleading, or they may not be able to to share all of what they understand, what, what, what's going on with you, meaning that they may only have so much information or they may only understand so much because they may still be residing closer to the earth plane. So, um, it's, it's one of those things where you, um, you kind of have to really uh, approach this or come to this from an objective perspective. You don't want to go in with, this idea that, um, you know, all spirits are pure, all spirits are going to come through with clear information, they're going to help you find their, their, you know, murderers, or they're going to tell you exactly what happens, they may not even know what happened. They, they may, in some instances, actually tell you something different. Um, Pam gave us a story when when we were in the class, she told us that she had this one experience where um, she knew that the, the, the husband, there was a married couple, and she knew that the husband had killed his wife. And she'd seen it. She 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 knew. She just knew it. But when it came down to connecting with the spirit of the wife and asking her, and she said no. You know, she she said no. He didn't do it. It was someone else. It was someone else. And giving her information that was totally inconsistent with her husband. And it comes to come to find out, she apparently didn't want her daughters, the girls, to go to a stranger, and she wanted them to stay with her father, with their father, even though he's the one that killed her you know he wanted the girl he knew that she knew that the spirit knew that the father would never hurt the girls so um it's just weird you know that they think that way but she was on a lower vibration she she was still very much attached to the physical world so she cared about those things in that way and was trying to to affect you know our actions and behaviors 
Um, and so sometimes when you talk to a spirit, if you're talking to someone and they've kind of ascended and gone up to a higher level, you'll probably get more accurate information from them. But then at the same time, there are reasons why they may not want to share information with us. You know, maybe there are certain things that we have to go through here. Maybe there are certain lessons, certain um, experiences we must have. And in order for us to have those experiences, they cannot interfere with the process that we're going through, the the, the lessons or, or the, the path that we're on. Um, and so... A lot of times you can't really think that a spirit communicating is going to be as consistent as you trying to see it from like a fly fly on the wall perspective or a third party or um, an objective perspective. So Pam taught us to try to approach things from an objective perspective using um, a technique called remote viewing. And remote viewing is a form of psychic sensing where it was developed by the military back in the 70s. um, And you are essentially trying to focus on details specific details in the environment or in the situation that can help shed some light or and and so you're basically going in kind of blind and you're trying to pick as many pieces up as you can but even with all the pieces you you know let's say you've got a thousand piece puzzle um, you're not going to get a thousand pieces for that puzzle you're probably going to come up with like 20 or 30 um, at best and so you're trying to focus in on highlights on things that would 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 be important to understand and to know and so she taught us how to focus on those details and pay attention to that and then bring as many details to the table as you can so that way when you start trying to put this puzzle this this puzzle together you have a lot of good pieces to work with now you're not going to get a chance to see the whole puzzle you're never going to understand the full picture and I think that's the biggest lesson that I learned from Pam is that it's not so important to know everything and a lot of times when people come to psychics they expect us to know everything and no psychic is 100% accurate Um, no psychic can say that they can guarantee with 100% certainty or accuracy that it something is the way it is they can't do that because it's not um, mathematically. It's just not. It's not likely. It's not probable. But you can get as many pieces as you can get together, and you can make pretty. You can you can come up with something that's going to be very useful. So when I tune into people's lives, I try. I, I'm not focused on trying to understand everything that is happening in that person's life and seeing everything that is going on. That my head. I think my brain would blow up every single time I got on a call with somebody. Every time, every single time I can connected via a video call I my brain when my head would blow up because of so much information so it's it, your mind cannot grasp the fullness of someone's experience unless you are living through that person's eyes so the best that you can hope for is to understand details that can ha- help you to figure some things out you may not be able to see the whole picture you may not get the whole story but you can at least get some very crucial pieces that can help whoever is investigating or whoever is dealing with um, the situation to, to understand and get some clarity on that. And so that's the biggest, I think, message and the biggest lesson that I learned from Pam. So for this class, we were taught to be objective. And um, every week we had an assignment and we had to focus in on some sort of visual exercise, visual assignment, and try to figure out what we were looking at or what we were dealing with. And it was a lot of work and it was not easy at all. And I'm one of these, you know, arrogant son of a bitches where I went into the class and I thought, I'm going to go in there, I'm going to blow them all away. And everybody's be like, oh my God, you're amazing. And I was going to get like the top star and the prize, you know, and 
And that didn't happen. <laughs> the first the first week of the class, I struggled quite a bit because I didn't understand it um, all. And I did go in with a lot of ego. And I was very quickly humbled and realized that this was not going to be as easy as they make it seem on the television shows. So um, I, I had to take time and practice and practice and practice and practice and practice. Um, now, seven months later, you know, when we had new people in the class, um, you, you can always tell who a new person is because they always come in with that same mentality. Like, I'm going to blow them away. They're going to see how amazing I am. I'm going to get all of the details. I'm going to know exactly what happened in this specific case or crime. Um, and I always, I, I, I would just think back and say I was totally there like a year ago and, or, you know, seven months ago. And I remember going through that and thinking that way. And now I'm in a different place. Now I was, you know, in a more experienced uh, position where I had spent a lot of time really growing. And at that time, when I did exercises, I was blowing people away. I was doing quite a bit that was just like, wow, like you got that much detail. Um, and so I, I say it takes work. It takes practice. It takes a lot of dedication if you want to do this kind of work. So um, towards the end of that class, like I mentioned before, I did begin to work with people. And one of the cases that I worked on was on this case in Mexico. Because I know you're like, Fernando, you went on a whole tangent. You totally, totally got off the su subject. I totally did get off the subject. But um, I was working with this family and they were in Mexico and they wanted to find their loved one. And so I did a session, my style, and I gave them a few pieces of information and I told them, I actually circled a spot on a map um, that I felt very pulled to, very drawn to. And I said, for some reason, this little area here just gets my attention. And what I did was I tried to step into the, the, the position of the person who was going through this experience because they had been missing for a while now. And so I put myself in their position up to the point of when they went missing and I was looking at visual markers I was looking at any kind of landmarks anything that got my attention that helped me to feel like like I could recognize it if I actually saw it in person and then what I did was I got in and I went and used Google um, street maps and I went driving down down a path or a road um, that was that I felt very drawn to and as I was driving and going down that road on Google Maps I saw a few of the landmarks that I had seen in my um, in my um, session. So I I told the family like this is what I saw, this is what I saw, this is what I saw. This area here is really interesting to me. I would say this is an area to check out. And uh, so that's what that's what I gave them. And um, I didn't hear back from them right away. And then uh, a few weeks later, the family members reached back out to me. And told me, and I, I had actually described in my session, I said, I keep seeing a red truck. So I feel like there's some sort of a red truck that's possibly connected to the, the disappearance. So either he, you know, he went driving in a red truck or he, he got into a red truck or maybe there was a red truck around that, that area that he was in that he disappeared at. But I feel there's a red truck connected to this. And, um, so they, they, they went down this area, they went down this road that I had, um, drawn out for them and kind of guided them on. And, uh, they went to the area that I had designated being of, of interest. And when they got to that area, um, it was kind of awkward because, um, on the road, as they turned off the main road and got on the side road, there was a red truck parked in 
on that road and it was kind of blocking the road not really letting people go past um and they thought that was kind of odd a little awkward um and so they could only go they could only drive up so far and then they had to stop because that truck was blocking the road and uh the per- there was a, a few people there and uh the guy who was in the truck got out of the truck and uh came up to their vehicle and asked them what they were doing there and the family told um, him, they said well, they were looking for their dog. Their dog had gotten lost and they thought maybe he went this way. And the guy in the truck, he says, well, he's not over here. Y'all need to turn around and go back the other way. And uh, they were just kind of creeped out a little bit by it. But they remembered what I said, that there was a red truck involved or possibly connected to this. So they um, they left and they did. They had already reported this guy's disappearance to the police, and they'd already mentioned a few things. Um, they even brought up the the information that I gave them. But you know, in Mexico, people going missing. I mean, that really is becoming a norm for some parts of Mexico, not all parts, but some parts of Mexico. And people were really scared. And so a lot of times police officers, they know they're not going to get anywhere with it. So they just, they don't pursue the, the case further. They just kind of let it sit there and, and, and get cold. Um, and this is, and I'm, I'm talking about the police in Mexico. I'm not really talking about the U S police, but so, um, that was the end of that. And then a few months went by and the family reached back out to me and told me that they there had been a bit of a break in the case. And uh, a, a fellow or a guy who um, apparently turned himself in and had told the police that, um, that he had been involved in several people disappearing, um, but he didn't directly have anything to do with it. But he is aware of it because he knew the people and he was involved with some of those incidents. And so he led them down um, the highway, and he actually led them to where I had circled the area of of interest. And he said that there were actually 14 bodies in that area of Incidentally that had been buried there or or had been, you know... um, been been handled and dealt with and put there so i was just like in shock when the family told me this because i was like what like 14 body like i knew there i knew this was an area of interest and i was hoping that this would be connected to their family member but to have someone who they didn't know who i didn't know who go to the police and kind of turn himself in and tell them that there were 14 bodies in this area that i had designated i mean that was kind of wild and crazy um and after that i i knew that what i was able to do was real that I could actually use this ability to help people in one way or another and so I went ahead and you know made it available to people that if if they had someone missing or there was a missing person's case and it was cold um, because I only really dealt and I still to this day I still do uh, cases but I focus on missing persons cases more so and cold cases um, because when you're dealing with new cases or something that's just happened you want to let a police you want to let the police officers do their jobs you don't need someone who you know could potentially disrupt the case to come in and start misleading people if they're wrong and granted I could be wrong in what I'm sensing so I'm not going to go in there and offer my services unless I'm asked by family and police officers to participate in a case and I typically prefer to deal with cold cases Um, I also don't like to deal with cases that have to do with gangs or with um, with 
um, uh, orchestrated violence because uh, coordinated violence because I organ there we go organized crime organized crime because um, it puts me at risk and it makes me vulnerable so I try to prefer to deal with like you know one on one missing persons cases and cold cases specifically because at that point police officers have already exhausted all their avenues and they just kind of don't know where else to go or what else to do so if I can give them something that can maybe point them in a direction that's useful then I would I'm totally on board with that um new cases I just don't want to get in there and disrupt their 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 um process we're trying to figure things out in that amount of time that they have um so I I made myself available to people and, and, and I was there and I, and you know, there was a form on my website, people could go and sign up and if they had cases or, or certain things that they wanted my help with, I was more than willing to do that. And I was actually offering the service for free. I wasn't charging anyone because for me, this was my way of giving back. Like I said, this was my way of trying to help people and trying to be there. And now granted, I know other psychic detectives who actually charge to do this work, but I understand because this is all they do. They, this is literally what they do every single day. They don't have another job that supports them. They don't pay their bills with any other money. They have to, if they're going to devote and dedicate themselves to this, then they have to make a living off of it. So they are paid by police officers, by different agencies, depending on which agency they're working with. Um, and I know some of you may say, well, that's not right. That's not fair to charge. I'm like, huh. <laughs> Detectives get paid for solving crimes or for, for, for helping people. Police officers get paid. Doctors get paid. Um, lawyers get paid. I mean, everybody in the world gets paid for helping people. Some people volunteer their time, but they probably have a source of income that helps them to, to, to be able to volunteer. But if you're not getting, if you don't have a source of income and you want to do this full time, you're probably going to have to charge at some point. Luckily, I was making enough money with my readings um, and my private sessions that that I didn't have to charge to do this work. So I was in a position where I could offer to do this for free. Um, and so, and that's another, like that's a whole different podcast about worth and value and, you know, the work that you do and helping others and how sometimes it is okay to charge for the work that you do. Um, because it is you helping others, you doing work, you investing energy into that. So we'll talk about it, that another time because a lot of people have issues with that. But Nonetheless, back to my story. So I um, made myself available and I started to get some cases coming in. And uh, my first real experience working with police officers, directly working with police officers, was absolutely terrifying to me. I had the family approach me about the case. And, you know, it, it, sometimes I have like cousins or aunts or whoever. I, I, I prefer to work directly with the family themselves with the immediate family of the person that's missing. Um, I don't want to, you know, because if, if, a, if a second cousin from a third aunt removed reaches out to me, you know, I don't know that the family is okay, is going to be okay with me getting involved. I'm not wanting to intrude or to force my, my own way of doing things, my own beliefs and my own work on anybody. I don't want to force anybody to accept what I do. You know, they, if they want my help, then they can ask me for it. And if they ask me for it, I'm more than happy to offer my services. So um, the family, direct family did contact me um, of this individual that went missing. And I can't really talk too much about the details of the person because it's still an open case. Um, even though it's probably never going to get um, resolved just because anyone that would have been involved with that is no longer here. But um, 
So in this specific instance, I, the family did reach out to me and I offered my services and I did a session and I read uh, for the family and gave them all the information that I could. They passed that on to the police officers um, dealing with the case, the, the detectives, and then the detectives reached out to me directly and asked if I would be interested in helping them with the case um, and either giving them more information or maybe even visiting the locations that I had discussed with them about it during the session. Um, so I was totally terrified. I was overwhelmed and just like scared shitless. I was really, I was, I mean, I was fucking scared. <laughs> so it's like, oh my God, like shit just got real. Um, it's one thing when you see something on TV, it's one thing when you are working towards something. It's another thing when you actually are faced with a real situation with real people who are really being affected by a very horrendous situation. So I, I, I went ahead and agreed to, to work with them. And so I had to drive out of town, and this was back when I was in, in, in the inner city of Houston. And so for me, the inner loop was always an area of Houston where it was like more populated, there's more open minds and et cetera. And so the further out you go from town, from a big city, you know, you go into territories where people are more are more humble, they're more focused on like like the survival and like working and there's less, there's less of a socialization, social kind of attitude or, um, that openness there. And there's more like structured values, old values and, and old mentality, et cetera. So, um, I, in a, by no means do I want to say, oh my God, people in, in, in small towns are closed minded or anything like that, because this experience is actually the perfect, the perfect example of my thinking back then, because I was thinking, oh my God, I have to go out to the boonies and go and help these officers. And I'm scared shitless because I'm this obvious gay man. And I'm going to go into this environment where there's probably going to be some really macho masculine guys and I'm scared because I don't know how that's going to be perceived. You know, it's one thing for me to be a psychic. That's already going to be uh, hard for some people to swallow. And then for me to be a gay guy, I mean, come on, that's, that's even for others. That's, that is another issue in itself. And so I was worried. I was scared. I didn't know what to expect. So I drove like an hour and a half outside of Houston um, to this, to a small like area, small town. And I went to the police station and, and in Houston, the police station, I mean, is like, uh, there's a, there's a high rise building. That's the police station in this small town. Um, police station was like literally, I think maybe 700 square feet. <laughs> there was like only five or six off main officers that were there, um, that were detectives or officers in that way. So I, I, it was, it was intimidating to say the least, but I, you know, I showed up, I swallowed my fear and I walked into that police station and as, as soon as I walked into that police station the looks and the stares that I got people just were like you know you're not from here and and they just I don't think people knew how to deal with me or how to 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 handle like who I was and who I was because there was like they didn't I don't think they realized the gay part I only think they knew about the psychic part so for me to walk in and be an obvious gay male with with a psychic ability 
Um, I think it freaked some people out. But I walked in and I do what I always do in any kind of awkward situation. I introduce myself and I try to make people warm up to me and say, hey, I'm so-and-so and I'm here to help you guys out. Um, you know, and as soon as I said hello and I introduced myself and I came across in the way that I do, they opened up and they started to, to warm up to me. So there was a few guys there and they said, hello, you know, some of them, you could tell they were uncomfortable or intimidated, but they still were very cordial. And I think that's all that matters, right? It's as, as long as you're cordial and as long as you're, you're polite, that I, I can work with you. And, uh, I began, you know, talking to the detective that I had been communicating with over the, uh, uh email. And he caught me up on what we were going to do that day, what the plan was for that day. And at that point, I that really just was overwhelming because what they were going to do is they were going to go and get a four-wheeler and they wanted me to basically lead them to the body of this person. And I was like, uh, I don't know if I can do that because I'm not even sure where the body is myself. I only know what I've seen in my session. And then prior to me going out there, I actually had a dream um, that kind of pointed an area out for me. And I actually do have a tendency of, of, of having quite a bit of dreams that help me understand things that are about to come or about to happen um, in my in my real life. I, I really do relate to um, that show medium because I think that's the closest show to what I experience sometimes that help, that really relates to to me. So um, I had a dream prior to the the police visit. And uh, so that was also kind of an, an, a factor that helped me to kind of figure out maybe I know where this might be at. But they 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 were not bullshitting. Like they literally thought I was going to show up and say, I know where the body's at. Take them out to the exact spot where the body was at. And then that was it. Case closed. Like, I think that's what they were expecting. And so that's what scared the shit out of me because I'm like, holy shit. Like, if I don't lead them to this body, are they going to arrest me? Am I going to be like, are they going to come after me because I'm like wasting their time like what's going on here um so we went out to an area um where they believed the body could be of this individual and uh i just didn't feel anything there i'm like no this isn't this area doesn't con- i don't connect with this at all this is not an area that i even feel like anything from um and i mentioned that i felt that there was a place or a park nearby to where they lived um that that felt interesting to me or it felt like there was an area close to where they were at it wasn't very far away from where they where they lived from um and so they described to me well there is a park around that area and we can take you there um i said okay let's go there so when we went there i felt a lot more there than i did at that first location that we went to and uh so i walked around kind of got a feel and um i think they the first the first part of it was near the park. It was a school. Um, and they were on the four wheeler and I was like, oh, I just, I don't know. I feel, I'm feeling this around here, but, and then, then we relocated and went kind of down the street further where the park was actually at. Um, and there's kind of like this major wooded area between the school and the park. So that wooded area is what was of interest to me. And I'm like, I know that they've been here. I know that they've spent quite a bit of time here. I know that this is maybe where it happened or where something occurred. 
And um, some of what I was sharing with them was consistent with what they had been told or what they had uncovered. And so I walked the perimeter of that park and I was just looking for something to feel, something to feel. But in that first day, I was so scared and so anxious and so nervous that I felt like I was failing because I hadn't been able to lead them to a park. Um, So I called Pam. I was like, Pam, I, I need your guidance. Like, can you kind of walk me through what? what this is or can you walk me through what I need to be doing and she did a great job I think she she helped to calm me down and then she kind of walked me through what the process needed to be next because she deals with police officers all the time she deals with detectives she deals with the the FBI she's been doing this for like 15 20 years so she's been doing this for quite a quite a while um so I told them that you know this was the best that I could do and I did feel like I had failed that day um, because I wasn't able to to directly lead them to the body and um, so I, I said you know this is this is where I feel she is um, and so this is where I would look and so they had planned on getting some dogs out there because they were gonna have some dogs look around now you know when you watch movies you see these dogs brought out and you immediately think that the and the, like in the movies all the movies the dogs immediately start honing in and they find something right it doesn't work that way it doesn't really work that way with with search dogs um, the way that it works is the dogs are given something that belonged to the risk to the to the owner or to the person that you're trying to find they're given something to smell that relates to that and then you have have to kind of direct them to a specific area to to sniff that area out now i'm not talking about like like a mile radius i'm talking about like you need you literally have to walk them into like a a a 20 or 30 or maybe as far as like with what i mean 50 foot area but it's got to be a small area because they're not going to be able to smell everything so you really have to narrow it down to a very small range of area and i'm over here thinking like okay as as soon as the dogs come out they'll be able to pick up the scent and follow it and it does not work that way granted a lot of time had passed so a lot of you know decomposition may have happened um but also this is a heavily wooded area there's going to be a lot of stuff that they're going to have to smell before they even pick up on anything remotely close to that so you have to kind of narrow down the search area but like in, in like a 20 foot area um but you know on that first day I, when I was, they left me alone for a little bit because I said I need to kind of walk without them following me because they were making me so anxious and nervous. And it was raining and it was muddy. And I was just like, my, my clothes were all drenched a bit. And um, there were snakes and spiders everywhere. I mean, it was just ridiculously like uncomfortable with the space, the, the, the area there with all of that. But I, I said, you know, guys, I need to kind of focus. Can you guys like hang back a bit? I need to kind of walk on my own and walk the perimeter and kind of get a feel. Um, and at one point I, I stopped at a spot and there was a bag there, black, uh, trash bag. And I looked inside the trash bag and I just thought that it looked like just a bunch of trash, but I just felt like there was something weird about what was in there. And I wasn't sure like if this was important or not, but I just was like, this is weird. Like there's something weird about this bag. I don't know what it is, but it it looks like just trash. Like somebody was just driving and they just threw a bag of trash out the window. Um, and it just looked like a bag of trash, but I'm like, there's just something weird about this bag of trash. I don't know what it is. And, um, but I, I, just totally. And this is where you're supposed to pay attention to your thoughts and to your intuition. And that sense of weirdness about it didn't even 
get my, catch my attention? What am I going to say to these officers? Like, there's a bag of trash here. There's something crazy about this bag. Like, what am, what am I supposed to do? What are they supposed to do with that? You know? But I thought, no, you know, I'm just going to, this is probably insignificant. Let me keep looking around. Let me keep looking around. Um, and, but, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, it came to an end and I gave up and I was like, okay, like this is as far as I can go. So they said, okay, well, we'll get some dogs out here and we'll, we'll have you come up when the dogs come out. And I'm like, okay, cool. That'll work out. And I thought I was off the hook then, but I wasn't, I, I, um, so I left, I went home and it was an exciting day, but it was also very stressful. It was also extremely draining. I mean, I was so exhausted after that first day, um, because of the officers and the, 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 the expectations and all that. And by the way, I didn't even mention those officers were badass. They were like so cool. The captain was amazing. They were so friendly, so accommodating, and they made me feel perfectly comfortable. Um, so I have to give credit to the officers when, when the credits do, like these guys were amazing. I could have walked in there and they could have been all douchebags and, um, they weren't, they were totally amazing officers. So kudos to those guys. Um, so after that day, I went back home and I decided, you know what? I want to go back and I want to go back and look by myself. Like I want to go and kind of take more time, take my time and kind of really sift and see if I can find anything else that might be of use um, to them. Because even though I wasn't able to find any physical evidence that day with the officers, what I had given them was so on point as far as details and information that they couldn't necessarily negate that I had that I was sensing something, there was something to it. Now, granted, some of the officers, I could tell they were like, you know, this, this guy's totally full of shit. He doesn't know what he's talking about. There's no one here. This is the wrong area. We need to be in this other area. But I just was sticking to what I felt. I was sticking to what I was seeing. Um, so I went back a couple of days later with a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, and um, she had, you know, for her, it was like her first time going out and doing a search with a search at all. Um, and so I said, let's, let's go and we'll take our time and stuff. So we made it kind of a day thing, a day trip. And we went up to that area and we started walking around, trying to get a feel for things, etc. cetera. And um, so we decided, um, the, well, the area she was getting, it was interesting because she was totally getting hits in the area that I was um, ha- was already really invested in. And, and, and I was like, you know, this is where that bag was at. And so she was kind of feeling weird about that area too. And I was like, okay, this is the second person who feels weird about this area. So it's not just me. So I thought to myself, this is an area that um, we need to focus on. And so we had had some conversations and she had told me about some of her dreams, um, that, that week as well. And some of those dreams were kind of weird because the dream that I had the the day the night before me going up there to work with the officers was really um intriguing and in the dream i had a student with me and the student was helping me to to figure out where the body was of this individual and so being there with my friend and at the time my friend was a student she'd taken one of my in-person classes so for her to be there with me and I was just kind of having a deja vu moment and was like this is just kind of going back to my dream and being out here with with a student and getting you know getting them helping them helping they helping me to understand what I was feeling um and so we kept hovering around that area where the bag was at and I again that bag was just so weird and I even mentioned it to her I was like that bag is so weird I thought the bag was really odd 
And, um, you know, with that and the dreams that we had both had, I just felt there was just something weird about it, but I was going to shrug it off. I wasn't going to make it a big deal about it. She's like, no, maybe you should tell the officer about this bag, or maybe you should mention this to the officers. Maybe this might be something. And I'm like, I don't think it's just trash, but you know, okay. And she was like, no, maybe, you know, you never know. It could be anything. And I was like, okay, well it, I mean, it's weird, but I'll ask them about it because there's just something weird about this. Um, and so I took a picture of what was inside the bag and I sent it to the officer, to the, the detective I'd been talking to. And I said, Hey, just out of curiosity, I'm back here today and I'm just doing another walk and trying to figure some things out that maybe I felt the first time. But do you know if any of the individuals involved, um, who are still alive, do you know if they are aware of any of this stuff? And I sent him the picture of what was in the bag and he and uh, he said he'll check he'll 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 check and, and and ask, and then he called me after that and he was like, "Where did you find that bag?" And I was like, "Well, this remember where the area that I kept talking about that I was saying I felt weird at the bag is right here." And I saw it the last time I was here and thought that it was weird, but now I'm seeing it again and you know I want to check with you guys and see if it is anything that you two that you guys need to look into. And he said, one of I just talked I just got off the phone with one of the family members and they're they're actually claiming one of the items in that bag belonged to the person that's missing and, and the family. And so I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, don't touch it. Don't do anything. Just, you know, let me know exactly where this is at. And I'll, I'll get somebody out there. I was like, okay, cool. And so that was it. And, um, so they went out there, they like, like canvassed that area and sure enough, the contents in the bag actually belonged to the missing person. And so there was physical evidence at that point that the stuff that was in their vehicle had been dumped in that spot, which means that vehicle was in that vicinity. So at that point I was like, holy shit, like this is real. Like this person was here and whatever may have possibly happened to them may have happened around here. So we might really, excuse me, we might be really close to where this happened. So that was just, and, and after that, I think they went out there a few more times, but because this was such a heavily wooded area and so much time had happened, I mean, the body would have been de- decomposed if there was a body because um, it was over, I mean, it was well over a year. And then there had also been a massive flood in that area as well. So when floods happen, things move and shift around. Um, so it was going to be really hard to, to try to find a body, but there's evidence, there's physical evidence there that this this happened or this may have happened in that area. So after that, I think that they're they the case is still open because I think they're still open to this area, but it's so heavily wooded that it would take several different, um, several different, uh, visits and going out with the dogs and and canvassing the area further to 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 see but uh, you know again when it comes down to it a lot of times because it does cost a lot of money and because most likely the person is deceased and the person the only person that can actually be um blamed in the case was also deceased so it was kind of like a no win for anybody so even the only reason to to go through all of that would be to get the body for the family but again it would be incredibly difficult and I understand this is a small town. They have limited resources, um, but they had evidence there that this this was an area of interest for sure. And I was just like, wow, like what I did, did it wasn't all f- for nothing. Like I did, I was able to help with this specific case. Um, and that was my first 
ever major experience in working with police officers. Scared as shit, completely like overwhelmed with the whole experience. And honestly, like unless you're unless you're prepared for that level of stress, anxiety, and energy drain, like this is not the kind of work you should get into. Um, and I am so after that, I had such a such. A, profound respect for Pam because she deals with this all the time, you know, and for me, I was like, Oh my God, like it's, I thought I was stressed in just dealing with clients and trying to help clients and all that other stuff. That's a cake and a walk in a walk in the park for me. That's a piece of cake compared to dealing with officers and dealing with missing people and the families and how they want their, their loved one back. So, but this was the first time I had ever worked with officers on a missing person's case. And I have to say that it was definitely a humbling experience and also one that I will appreciate for for the entirety of my life because I think I learned so much from that just that very first um, mission in trying to help the family and trying to get them something to let them know that this is you know this is this is the area this is the area to focus on there's something here um, and the officers they they were so grateful and thankful to me they um, they gave me a a badge not a badge but the the um, patch of their precinct so I have a their their patch um, that I keep in a sacred space for me so. But that was my first real experience with dealing with the missing persons case. And so if you want to get into this work, if you think that it's all glam and it's so easy, then, you know, you're full of shit because it's totally not. It's a lot of work, um, takes a lot of dedication, um, and you really, really have to, to uh, be comfortable being uncomfortable um, with the whole thing. But I hope you guys enjoyed my story and I hope you guys enjoyed me sharing my experience with you. Uh, again, if you want to know more about me, just go to my website at www.fernandamarone.com. Um, you can find a lot of information about me there. You can find out about my services. Um, if you want to book something, you can totally book it there. Um, you can also tune into my YouTube channel because I've got a lot going on on YouTube and um, wanting to share as much as I can share with people because I'm not the only person that can do this. I think a lot of us um, are coming in with this ability very strongly and I want to help you guys learn how to use it. Um, but if you're not, if you just want to hear me out, then I really appreciate you guys tuning in. I love you so very much. Don't forget to subscribe to my podcast and also my YouTube channel and also follow me on Facebook Live because I do do, I do do, <laughs> I do free um, readings on Facebook Live like once a week. Um, I try to at least once a week for people who can't afford a session or who just need help and I just catch them at the right time. So, all right, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. I love you all and I hope you guys have a good night.